Hey y'all, welcome back as we launch over to Exodus for our next journey in the Bible. In chapter 1, Israel has been slaves in Egypt for the last 400 years, which was predicted in Genesis chapter 15 verse 13. In verse 1 of chapter 1, it starts off with, These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. So Exodus opens with reminding Israel who they are, that they're numerous and that they're thriving. And they're the 12 great tribes. The The promise was still going that somebody from the seed of Eve was going to strike the serpent's head that is prophesied in Genesis 3.15. And they're waiting for this seed. Who is going to be this seed in all of these descendants? The promise of having so many descendants that they're they're too numerous to even count is coming forth. They are multiplying. They are prospering. They are even, even in slavery, they are multiplying and prospering. In verse 8, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, people of Israel now outnumber us as and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if a war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the new king, is he doesn't know all the great and wonderful things that Joseph did. And these are the descendants from that same family. So he's fearful. He sees this as a threat and he fear enters and he is panicking and he's like, gosh, we got to stop this, guys. This isn't good for us. In verse 11, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all of their demands. So despite this harsh treatment and being enslaved, they are multiplying still and they they get more fearful, so they want to... They want to try to stop it, but not even Pharaoh can prevent God's promises from coming forth. And the more they oppressed them, the more that they multiplied. And God had given these people 400 years to repent and turn to God. And here we are, and they're they're getting crushed even harder in their slavery circumstances. And slavery is a picture of sin. And 
they were despised and enslaved, and that's what sin does to us. It, it enslaves us, and it is not for our benefit. It, sin despises us. The enemy despises us and just wants to hold us down and enslave us in those sins. And we're just waiting here to see if God is going to come forth and rescue the Israelites from this situation. In verse 15, Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, they replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get them in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And became. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all of his people, Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. So the midwives, they feared God more than they feared man. They were more afraid of crossing God than any man. So the fear of man, it it could have driven them into evil, into killing these babies that are born. But the fear of God kept them from it and kept them from doing anything evil like that. So then he gets mad, and now he's not relying on these midwives. Now he's calling all of his people to act on this order. And we're left at the end of this chapter with, is God going to intervene soon here? These babies are dying. In chapter 2, verse 1, About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The women became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister, who was Miriam, then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. So here we have the the woman and the man who they're like they have this baby and the mother's instinct comes in and the mother is like no I can't let this baby die and the basket in the word the Hebrew word basket it translates to the same word as the ark and it's the the ark that Noah built was also made with tar and pitch in this basket she took care to make sure and make this a very strong basket. She wanted her baby to live. And um, it continues in verse 5. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children's, she said. So she finds this basket and she has mercy. Her heart is softened for this child. In verse 7, 
Then the baby sister, Miriam, approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? she asked. Oh, yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I'll pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. So a couple here things here. Miriam, Moses's big sister, she has a lot of courage, and her courage to step forth really paid off because she convinced this princess, who is, is saving baby Moses, to pay Moses's own mom to nurse the child. And the name Moses means draws out. And even when things look terrible, God is still working. God's on a mission here. God's got a plan and he's, he's working on something. So we'll continue on and see in verse 11. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? So here we're going to pause again. Moses' very first story of action is a story of rescue. He sees this Hebrew um, person being beaten up by an Egyptian and he steps in and he has a heart of rescue. He didn't quite do it the right way with in ending up murdering somebody, but he wants to rescue this fellow Hebrew. And it also tells me that he knew he was a Hebrew person. He knew he was adopted. So this princess was honest with him. She had to have been, because how else would he have known that he was adopted as a baby? And he, he takes sides with his birth family. He knows that's his birth family, and he takes their side. And this is the first rescue that we see from Moses. And God's on a great rescue mission. The The steps are being set and Pharaoh is trying to destroy Israel, but God's on a rescue mission. And Moses, he had the right heart, but he had no authority to step in and murder that Egyptian for what was going on. And he didn't, he looked around and didn't see anybody, but God sees everything. And he forgot that thing that God's watching. God knows. And his, what he did is, is known and it's coming out to the public. It goes on, Then Moses was afraid, thinking, Everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what was happening and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. So Midian is about 125 miles away from where he was in Egypt. And Midian is the modern-day Saudi Arabia. It's like a desert area. In verse 16, 
Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. So again, he rescues them. He can't stop trying to rescue. Fortunately, he didn't kill anyone this time. But he takes it a step further and he also helps them water their flocks. In verse 18, when the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, Why are you back so soon today? And the name Ruel means friend of God, and he's that priest in Midian. In verse 19, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? The father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with him. In time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zephora to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son, and Moses, Moses named him Gershon, for he exclaimed, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered this, his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew that it was now time to act. So a few things here, he is, again, Moses is rescuing, and he, this this priest, he has seven daughters, and clearly the shepherds and the men in that area are, they're jerks, and he, this mystery man just shows up out of nowhere and rescues his daughters and takes it a step further and even helps them, and he's like, dude, what are you guys doing? Go get him! He is been waiting for a person like this for one of his his daughters and he he's been waiting for a guy like Moses to come along and then here's Moses and they just leave him he's like girls what are you thinking use your brain here in Gershom the firstborn child that they have the name means foreigner and it's his, this is his life now god is training Moses and he's in training ground and he's he's going to know what it's like to be a foreigner um, he's going to live a foreigner's life. And then we see God's heart in the last verse where he looks down at his people and his heart is to rescue them. He hears their cries and God is is preparing Moses as a heart of a rescuer. And in that process, he he's looking down on Israel and he's, he's ready. He's like, it's time to act. We need to set this rescue in motion. The time is now. So that ends chapters one and two, and we'll continue on and see what happens with dear Moses in chapter three tomorrow. I hope y'all are having a great day.